Welcome to another episode of Chapter Chat. This is our online book club, and I am so excited to have you join us tonight. I have my glasses ready, my readers, because I have old eyes, and it makes reading very difficult. I have our book uh, that we are currently studying, and it is called The Co-Regulation Handbook, and I have a glass of wine because it has been that kind of day. So I'm going to go ahead and get my co-host on here, and let's see where he is. Where's Mike? Where's Mike? Mike should be here. Oh, there's Mike. Let's see. Mike, I don't know. I don't see your request, but he, oh, there he is. any second. Dun, dun, dun. Here he comes. Any second. There he is. There's Mike, I think. <laughs> oh, goodness. It would just be our luck if we have technical difficulty. There he is. Hello. Here we are. Hello. 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 You are very frozen. Oh, there we go. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm going to get Linda on here real quick. We are very honored to have the author uh, of the book that we are currently studying joining us. Let's see. Here she comes. I do believe. There's Linda. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Mike is spinning in circles. Is Mike spinning for you too, Linda, or is it just me? He's spinning for me too. Okay. So we're going to wait for Mike to finish spinning. <laughs> Linda, how have you been? Good. Thank you. Good. Excellent. I was thinking about you on the road. Was it Wisconsin yeah. or Wyoming? Yeah. This week it was Wisconsin and mm -hmm. it has been just a really... I'm way over scheduled and I have to learn to say no. That's what I have realized. I, oh, there he's, he's probably going to get out and get back on. We'll, we'll wait for Mike. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been stressful, but you know what, this is just what we do. So I, um, trying to stay positive and I just am so far behind. I have emails like just piled up, you know, and there's just no time. So but I won't complain. I just drink wine and then I'll yeah. feel better. <laughs> So let's see if we can You've get Mike it. on here. I tell you, I, 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 um, so it was, it's a, about an eight hour, eight and a half hour drive from Kansas city to Wisconsin Dells. And so I drove half of it and stayed with my sister in Des Moines and then drove the rest this morning. Um, but then I leave again Friday and I go present in Iowa Saturday and then I drive to Cheyenne on Sunday and then I'm in Cheyenne all next week. So I just feel like I have to get caught up, you know, before I, I hit the road again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Let's see where there he is. All right. Let's hope this one is a better attempt. Better attempt. Linda, do you have any wine tonight, or are you just no? You know what? Maybe uh, no next wine. Time. I have my tea. Hello. <laughs> You're back. We, I was worried we, we weren't going to find you. Yeah, yeah we were just so crazy. We were just talking about our our busy busy lives. So I saw you presented last night as well, right, Mike? That's right. I performed for the uh, the Long Island Speech and Hearing Association, uh, LISHA. So that was LISHA. that was nice. that was awesome. So it, it it ended up being about like a fifteen minute drive from where I grew up, from my parents' Aww. house. Uh, it was so nice to be able to go home and kind of see some of the old sites and perform for uh, for for a pretty big crowd. Uh, it, it it was awesome. It, it was a, it was a really good experience. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, I had a great trip to Wisconsin. I have to say the Wisconsin Dells, just a beautiful, it was a beautiful drive, um, a very, 
um, oh, what do I want to say? Um, hilly, like just, it was a really, I, I enjoyed the drive. Um, when I drive nothing against Nebraska, but when I drive through Nebraska, it's just a straight shot, you know, it's all flat and you just go, but driving to Wisconsin, it was gorgeous. And I saw the most beautiful sunset I think I've ever seen in my life as I was driving home last night. So anyways, I don't have a lot of voice. I have been talking incessantly. And so I'm a little <laughs> scratchy. So I do apologize for that, but we are here tonight to talk about a couple of chapters from the co-regulation handbook and as i mentioned we have the author linda murphy mm -hmm. with us so we are honored uh to have you join us and before we jump right in i'm just going to tell you there were four words or phrases that i wrote down that i think <laughs> in a nutshell cover these two chapters and by the way uh we are uh talking about chapters five and six at least i think mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about is yep. that right Mike? okay <laughs> yeah. so myself. those are the ones i read so <laughs> yep. Yep. so these are my words tell me if you guys agree that these kind of cover uh, uh the two chapters in a nutshell um prompt dependence independence partnerships and competent roles those were the four mm. words that i kind of pulled like in a nutshell if i had to kind of outline uh, what I think are important topics, but um, what do you think of these chapters, Mike? I thought they were fantastic. So, so uh, finally, we this is the first book we've read that really explicitly says <laughs> the phrase the words. executive, the words executive. I know is what it's all about. I was so tickled. <laughs> I was like, I'll just let Mike yep. talk because this is his chapter. So, but, but look, yeah. what I love is it's the very yeah. first sentence of the chapter. It says. Um, I'd like to define executive function in my own words. So here's what I think. I think we should have Mike explain it and then we'll have, you know, in his words, but then we'll have Linda kind of chime in, you know, how she explains it when she talks about executive function. Mm -hmm. So Mike, you've got the stage. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so like I was saying, this is the first work, the first book really that explicit, explicitly says the phrase executive functioning, which is so great to see because really that's you know what it's all about. That's why we're using declarative language. It's why we're focusing on co-regulation. It's why we do what we do, executive functioning. And not only is she using the phrase executive function here, but it's also moving towards independence. So I love Carrie's first two words, prompt dependence and independence, because that's what executive functioning is all about. So why are we using declarative language? so we can build their visual imagery, so we can get them to start understanding other perspectives and understand different things in the, in a, in the social realm. Why are we doing co-regulation? So that they can be more independent at tasks and grow their comfort zone and grow their competence, right? And, yes. be, able to, and be able to do things independently. And you give great examples in this chapter of cleaning the room and yes. all, these, all these different things. And, and you talk so beautifully about fading your prompts and not just giving them instant directives like and you're probably, not telling them right yeah telling not telling them what, them to, what do. to do but fading back so you start the chapter by giving out some some great references of course there's sarah ward our a fellow speech and language pathologist who is amazing and her work is really you know the gold standard for some executive functioning treatment all you slps out there if you if you have a chance to to watch a Sarah Ward presentation or a Sarah Ward CEU training, jump on that immediately. Uh, mm -hmm. Also Peg Dawson from Smart and Scattered. Uh, I saw Ryan Wexelblatt, the ADHD dude is, is uh, viewing tonight. Oh, uh, so, hey, so Ryan. He's, 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 pro he's probably, you know, he's right up there on the Mount Rushmore mm -hmm. of, uh, of, uh, <laughs> of, of treatment and content. Uh, so so it's, uh, it's really, it's, it's, you know, it's good to start with some, uh, 
some places to look for uh, further information because executive functioning and ADHD is so misunderstood. And part of that is the label of ADHD, which is a terrible name for what ADHD <laughs> is, of course. But overall, you go right in here into executive functioning. And, and I talk about this in all of my presentations, no matter who you speak to, whether you speak to Peg Dawson or George McCloskey or, Ru or Russell Barkley or Sarah Ward, everyone's going to give you a different definition right. of what, what executive functioning is. And most, of pe most people are just going to give you a list of what the, what the skills are. And that's not helpful. You need a definition. What is mm -hmm. executive functioning? Uh, and I love Dr. Russell Barkley's definition. So he defines executive functions as an action taken to the self. So you mm. stop you stop responding to the world around you. You're not responding to stimuli. You're not responding to distractions. You're not responding to peers. You're stopping. You're inhibiting. So first you're stopping self, and then you are thinking to yourself. And thinking is a very vague word. And by thinking, I mean you are visualizing with nonverbal working memory, and you are talking to yourself with verbal working memory. Because in the past, executive dysfunction in ADHD was looked at as impulsiveness. These kids are impulsive, they're hyperactive, they're inattentive, but what they don't have is they don't have the ability to stop and perform an action to the self. Mm. It's, not true, it's mm. not true impulsiveness, they're just not stopping and thinking. They're on that st stimulus response, stimulus mm -hmm. response, stimulus response, that's what they do. And this is why they get so addicted to video games because what are video games? Stimulus response, stimulus yes. response. Mm -hmm. it's little, it, it, and let's be honest, it's little kid gambling. It's little kid mm -hmm. slot machines. That's, that's really all it is. So, I like that uh, analogy, Mike. <laughs> there, there you go. So, uh, so the way you describe executive functions is beautiful. Uh, and on the second page, you really describe something that I think really needs to be stressed. It's on, in that big paragraph on top of the bold words, uh, executive function in adulthood translates to employment, yes. mm -hmm. relationships, following through on plans made with another person and living on your own activities yep. of daily living. Because let's be honest, what is every single parent's goal that they can live a better life than you lived after you're gone? You know, yeah. people don't like people don't like to talk about it because it's you know, it mm -hmm. covers the topic of death, of course. But overall, that's what we want for our kids. And if yep. we're so focused on the periodic table and calculus <laughs> and the quadratic formula and mm -hmm. all of these things, but if we have a kid that knows how to make his own lunch, plan ahead for the day, be independent in the morning, clean his own room, be successful at hygienic tasks, take his meds mm -hmm. on his own, for, uh, initiate and maintain social relationships, uh, be able to independently problem solve, uh, be able to regulate their emotions in the face of stress, then you have an employable person who can live right. a successful life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just have this. Um, I'm gonna let you talk. I promise, Linda. But I have uh. this little sticky note, Mike, that I have had since one of our first online meetings, and it just—I have it stuck to my my little lamp here, and it says, "You ready, Mike? You're gonna be so proud of me." Self-regulation, self-motivation, 
self-evaluation and self-talk. Those are the four, like, there you go. I don't know yeah. when I wrote those down, but yep. they stay right here because they remind me um, of how you have so eloquently explained, you know, and taught me about yep. uh, executive function. So Linda, don't forget, tell us- Don't forget oh. self-awareness, self-awareness. Oh, well, let me add it to my list. <laughs> I didn't have that on my list. So see, yep. now I'll update my list. So everybody, in case you're taking notes, Self-regulation, self-awareness, self-motivation, self-evaluation, and self-talk. Does that sound good, Mike? You got okay. it. I love it. I love it. Linda, what do you nice. have to say? What is your explanation well, when you're talking yeah. to families? <laughs> um, and I was, this isn't my explanation, but I want to throw in too, Carrie, I know you always talk about how imaginative play in young kids, like that's where executive comes into play when yes. kids are little. So you got it. And as you, you all it. say, like, there's no, like, you don't wait until kids are age 13 and then work on executive function. You, uh -uh. you can work on it day one because it looks yep. different. Um, and I feel like, like, probably I didn't write about this in declarative language handbook because I needed to get my confidence and brain wrapped around how I want to talk about it in the context of all the other people talking about it. Sure. And this was before I even knew Mike and listened to how Mike talked about it, which I really, <laughs> really, really appreciate. Um, thank so you, I thank think, you. yeah, so I think when I wrote this, it was always in terms of um, just like getting things done, right? Like we all have things that we have to get done and parents want their kids to get things done. But executive function is being able to step back and think about the multiple elements that are involved in terms of getting things done. So there's, like as I think about it in the big picture, there's stuff, there's steps to a project, for example, or whatever you might need to do. So there's materials, there's um, the steps that you need to take, there's the sequence that you need to take those steps. Like you need to organize them in your mind and sequence them in a certain order in order for whatever to happen successfully. But then you also have to consider your space. Like, where are you? Is this a good time to do this? Your time, like, do I have enough time to do it? So you have all those ideas and elements that you're juggling in your mind and executive function is being able to do it with success, you know? And that's yeah, so yeah. with Mike, it's like mental play. Like you have all those ideas. Um, but it's just, it just always to me feels huge. Like, and I think that's why maybe a lot of us like, just are like, I'm going to let Mike work on executive function because I'm not sure <laughs> it feels uh -huh. like too big for me. Um, so I think like the more I just think in terms of anything you need to get done, you have to step back and think about all the various elements. Well, Linda, um, even on that's page executive 30 function. Yeah, on page mm -hmm. 34, the two words that I highlighted that you actually have in, in parentheses is, you know, you, you talk about the abil ability to get started, initiation, right? So initiate, initiation, and then you have the word yeah. persist, yep. initiate mm -hmm. and persist. And I mean, if you want to break right. this down into the simplest, you know, most simplistic way, I really like that explanation. It is initiate and persist, mm -hmm. initiate and persist. Yeah. It means you have to finish it. You can't start it and then be like, well... I'm just going right. to do that later. Right. It's, it's mm -hmm. like when, you know, like think about a, a non-preferred um, chore that, that most of us do laundry. So you initiate the task and you put the laundry in the washer and it goes through its cycle and then you don't persist. You don't go and transfer it to the dryer. So now you've got these moldy clothes that you have to rewash mm -hmm. or whatever, or they sit in the dryer for three days and then you go, oh, crap. And then you got to iron or you got to redry them and freshen them. Or they get in the laundry basket and you take them into the bedroom, but they sit in the laundry basket for three days. I mean, we all understand that it's initiated 
initiate and persist, initiate mm -hmm. and persist. So I appreciate how you kind of broke that down into a way that is so simplistic, but I think really, really helpful, especially for parents yeah. and people who maybe don't know a lot about executive function. I do mm -hmm. want to mention that when I was in Wisconsin this week, I talked on two topics and one of my topics was building executive function skills um, through play-based learning. And so it's my new favorite uh, uh, course Love that it. I do. Love it. <laughs> but when you mentioned, Linda, that, you know, we don't wait till like the teenage years to work on executive function skills. You know, we've missed the boat. And uh, one of the things that um, the Harvard Center for the Developing Child, um, they have this really nice little graphic that shows um, really executive function skills develop from birth to age 25. That's kind of the yep. period when they are the most, you know, mm -hmm. when they're developing, but the, the greatest growth, believe it or not, is from age three to five. That is where there is the largest spike in executive wow. function skill development. Then there is another peak in adolescence. And then it finally peaks at age 25 or so right around in the mm -hmm. mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't it amazing that the largest peak is from age three to five. And so that's why as Absolutely. an early childhood SLP, I am so like blown away by executive function, something I learned nothing about in grad school because mm -hmm. I now recognize what are we, we have to explicitly teach these skills. We have to stop just, you know, assuming that kids are learning it, you know, through osmosis. We need mm -hmm. to explicitly um, teach these skills, so. But, but, but you think about it, let's think about this for a second. What are the skills that develop between three to five? Think about it. Number one, the first thing you think about is something like object permanence. Okay. And what's, what is, what involves object permanence? Working memory. Working memory. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to visualize, keep the visual in your head and hold it in your mind, even though it's not there. Right. And mm -hmm. then there's also joint attention, which requires mm -hmm. some, some perspective taking skills and the ability to sustain attention to a task because you're now there's co there's so there's co-regulation uh -oh. involved. There's am I on? Good. You're there's back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's co-regulation in involved there in joint attention. Uh, so uh, and there's there's really so much there's uh, and between the ages of right around five years old is when we start to see the voice, uh, the self-directed talk go from external to internal. So right between the ages of five to seven, really, really around five is when there starts to develop that internal voice. So we have mm -hmm. the visual imagery, all executive functioning starts from visual imagery. Visual imagery is huge for young kids. Young kids learn by imitation. They learn mm -hmm. by watching, holding it in their memory, and then doing it with a delay. And that's executive functioning. The, yeah. ability, to, the ability to observe an adult, use language, perform a task, whatever it may be, observe it, hold it in their memory, and then be able to do it themselves. All yeah. of that is all of that is executive functioning. Or then mm -hmm. to be able to use imaginative play and pretend to rock a baby or pretend to feed a teddy bear. You know, all of the, that's where that imaginative play comes in is they are they are acting on those those things that they have imitated um, in, that have happened in their life. So I love on page 35, Linda, how you talk about um, this is where you start to talk about the goal is really to help children become more independent, right? That's really what we're striving for. Um, and so when we want a child to get a task done, if you say something like, go clean your room, to an adult, 
we then go through, right, Mike, our visual imagery of all the different steps that are required. Like Linda gives a great example in here of if I think clean, clean my room or, you know, I see my child's messy room, I immediately think of the first 10 things that need to be done. You know what I mean? And you can yep. go through that. But when you say go clean your room or go do your homework or go make your lunch or go do the laundry, those are so monumentally huge to children who don't have strong executive function skills that they end up often just not doing it because they they cannot visualize how to initiate because the task is too big. So Linda, talk to us about how your step-by-step -step or how you don't have to use step-by-step -step prompting. Talk to us about how that's what most people do is they'll say, do this, pick up your clothes, do this, right? Talk to us yeah. about your, how you explain it in the book. Yeah, and it just builds on everything that we've been talking about week to week. But really, what you no matter what it is you want anybody to learn, it's possible to get started. You just have to take a step back, think about partnership, which we were talking about, um, and what is a confident role for the child within that particular routine that you want to engage them in. So cleaning your room is really, so I, I can even, I'll recap the quick story. Um, yes, because it's a great my, one. And it's, with every parent children, experiences this. I know, and it happens every, you know, two weeks or so. Yes. But, <laughs> but like <laughs> the right, room, right. the room's just like really messy, a big disaster. Um, and if I say to my boys, clean your room, they will go throw a couple of things in the hamper or on their bed and they are done in their opinion. But then mm -hmm. I go up and I see so much more that, that um, that they don't and you know it's probably developmentally just where they're at and that's okay um, but if I want them to see all that I see and to continue to become more um, just independent and in being able to clean and, and aware things, Mike and aware about awareness yeah it's awareness right yeah. that's the key oh. yeah then I then it just means that I need to in that moment partner with them. So there's things that they can do on their own without me. Put your things in your ham in their hamper, which is great. Mm -hmm. But then there's things that are that that are still too hard for them, and that's okay. Um, for example, you know when I wrote this, changing the sheets on their bed, just fine motor wise, not yet not yet there motor planning, mm -hmm. but but that's okay. So that's something where I might partner with them saying, okay, you take that end of the sheet, I'll take this end. Here's how we figure out which way the sheet goes. So it's not um, you change your sheet and it's not I'll do it all for you. It's let's right. partner with this so you learn the process so that over time you can take on more responsibility. So it's also going back to process over product. Like it's not about getting yes. the, the bed done, it's about me transferring my knowledge of the process to you over time as your partner. It's teaching. It's teaching yeah. a skill, right? Yeah. 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 And, yeah. Oh, yeah. So many things and, to and, say. And I think it's so powerful, Linda, for, for you, the author of this book, to talk about how, you know, yes, th these are my kids that have this problem, and it keeps coming up. Every two weeks, there's this problem. Because let's, let's be honest, it's developmentally appropriate for kids to not to want to clean you know, them. And we could say it's you my know, problem, not their problem. Yeah, so, so, so we're not, we're not, we're not standing up on the and saying, right. we, know how to, we know how to use declarative language. We know how to use yeah. regulation. Hand, we know how to use these things. My kids, I tell my kids to clean their room and they go up and do it in 10 minutes, they're back down. No, mm -hmm. that, 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 let's be, let's be like how many kids in this world can clean their room instantly, come back down and be done. Come on. They're but going to avoid. And how many parents yeah. say, 
but he's 10 years old. He should know how to do this by now. No. So get up no. there and clean your no. room. This no. is the attitude, though, no. that a lot of parents have is, but he's 12 or no. he's 10. My son is 17, and he still needs me to partner with him. He is now, I love the idea about putting the sheets on, because that is something that Aaron has always been really stressed out about. Like getting that, are we all not a little stressed about putting the darn fitted sheet on? I mean, that is like the mm -hmm. most complicated thing. And figuring out which is the top. Can I just say how grateful I am that new <laughs> sheets actually say, Top or yep, bottom? Yep, 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 really? Yep. Save it. Oh yep. yeah! Wow. So buy yourself some new sheets. You will thank yourself. Okay, because it is the most miserable thing. So, um, but so yeah, but he's twelve years old. He should be able to. But that doesn't mean he is able to. So it's not mm -hmm. about age, and that's why we don't talk about what's yeah, age no. appropriate. We say no. if you say go clean your room, and your child goes up and throws two things in the dirty clothes and says I'm done. It's not that you should punish him for disobeying you, or it's not that nope. he's being um, disobedient or um, non-compliant. It's that he probably doesn't have the skills, the executive function mm -hmm. skills to really figure out, well, how do I clean my room? Like I've never really been shown all of the steps necessary to clean my room. Mm -hmm. and, 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 also, and also, let's be honest, your child doesn't want to clean their room. These are kids. They don't see the benefit of having a clean room. They right. know where their things are, whether their toys are on the floor or on their shelf. It really doesn't matter to them. It's their room. It's their safe space. This right. is, you know, this is where they are. But does it have to do with their overall health and their executive functioning? No. You know, I, I didn't start cleaning my room until I was 35 years old. Right. I'm 35, <laughs> I'm 30, I'm 35 now. Like, like, like none of this. I love not, it. Not a big deal. Like, like Dr. Russell Barkley talks about this. So many of the directives we give kids are completely meaningless and have nothing to do with their long-term mm -hmm. success. Right. Homework, homework included. So, right. so all of the, so whether they, they're able to clean their room or not is not a reflective of their overall functioning. It simply right. isn't. But Linda in this book gives great examples of ways to, you know, bring about relationships, bring relation, go back to relationships. Don't mm -hmm. focus on non-compliance. Don't mm -hmm. always try to pathologize our kids and label right. them and, and give them numbers and skills. Hey, clean your room. I'll come do it with you. We'll do it together. Mm -hmm. Right. So for my yeah. son, he understands the rationale for cleaning his room now is because in order to vacuum, you can't get a vacuum in there if everything is on the floor. So that's how I started helping him understand that things have to be picked up sometimes because you mm -hmm. need to vacuum. And my son vacuums the last Saturday of the month because my son is very regimented and is on a schedule. And so, but I think that there are times where you can give them a rationale as to why. Sometimes it does make sense. Why do you need to do laundry? Because you have no clean underwear. So our choices are do laundry or go shopping and buy new underwear, right? That's where we're at with mm -hmm. this. So um, I, I love that. Someone asked a question though, and before, it, it scoots away, I would like to address this. My son struggles with initiation of any task, even when providing visual cues. That's why this chapter is going to rock your world because Linda is going to explain to us how <laughs> even visual cues do not support executive functioning. Okay. Is that right, Mike? Yeah. Can I say it like that? Uh, like giving a no, list of, no. Not visual cues, but giving a, you explain <laughs> written, it, Mike. Written, so written, written cues. Written, 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 checklist, cues. written checklists are not helpful. Uh, the visual cues, you know, if you're using like like uh, pecs or pictures or those sorts of things, like Google images, that's not gonna help. You're gonna wanna use real world images. So you're mm -hmm. gonna want a picture of your kid cleaning his room and get a picture of his room completely clean so they mm. can see the entity. So visual cues are quite helpful because executive functioning starts with nonverbal. But the written checklists 
our mm -hmm. verbal working memory, which is not where you want to start. It's also reading, which creates anxiety in these kids. Mm -hmm. uh, but you have to be very careful about the cues. And she's asking about my son doesn't want to do any non-preferred tasks. So mm -hmm. my, first my first question is, then what's he doing instead? You know, wh what, is he, what is he going to? What's he running to? What, what, are, what are some things that he's doing instead of the task you're getting him to do? And how can you join him in, this in that task? to transition him to what you want him to do. But Linda's going to give us some examples then in these chapters. And I don't know if it's this one or chapter yeah. six. Well, I how think, she, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Well, and I just think the biggest thing is you, we, it is very helpful when we shift our mindset from prompt, prompting to partnership. Yes. So instead of saying, go clean your room and they say, no, your language might be, Hey, I would love to help. I would love to clean your room together. Let's do it as a team. Mm -hmm. um, so then you're just, you're just framing it completely different as a, as a partner to them. And then together you can engage in different partnerships throughout the room. Like, Oh, Hey, those books are on the floor. Let's work together to put them on the shelf or yeah. wow, yep. your hamper's really overflowing. Let's carry that down to the washing machine together. So mm -hmm. you just are shifting from feeling like you're telling them to do it to just owning the partnership. Yes. When you let go yes. and own the partnership, it changes the vibe completely um, because the child feels supported rather than pushed, prodded, you know, And they're not being quizzed. You know, they're not yeah. being like tested on, do yes. you know, okay, clean your room and I'm going to make sure you do it right. Because then mm -hmm. when we think back to the last book that you wrote that we did last time, the declarative language handbook, there shouldn't be a right or wrong answer. You know, we don't want to set them up for failure where we tell them to do it and then they fail. So instead on page 41, you have this great statement. You say, look, I have not knowledge and skills, and I will transfer these to you as your partner and at a pace that keeps you successful. Like that's just, that's relationship-based learning. And mm -hmm. I talk about that all the time. I mean, I'm, that's, that's why right. I think I'm so drawn to your books, Linda, because everything is about let's, I want to, I want to focus on, 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 on partnering, on, on doing this together, on giving you a competent role so that you mm -hmm. can experience success. I am telling you, our struggling learners, they need to experience success. They deal with so mm -hmm. much failure, you know, all the time, always being told they're not doing it well, or they're not doing it well enough, you know? And so when we can partner with them and they can experience some, some success, uh, just always remember the two C's confidence breeds competence. I mean, I say that all the time. confidence yep. breeds competence. So if we can invite um, and, and, and as Linda always talks about, provide a space, right? A safe space mm -hmm. where the child and the parent or the caregiver can partner together and the child can experience success, that's building confidence. And with mm -hmm. confidence, and you talk about this in one of these chapters, Linda, how we start giving them more because they want more responsibility because now they mm -hmm. know what to do because you're partnering with them and you're literally teaching them in the moment. It's contextually based. And that to me is so important. Routines based um, mm -hmm. learning is much more powerful than, okay, I want you to use these six picture cards and sequence for me how you would clean a room. Like, yeah, some kids could sit down and do it, but they still might not be able to clean their room because they may yep. not be able to initiate it, you know, but they might be able to, if we're doing it out of context in a speech therapy, you know, session be able to uh put put cards in order and tell you this is how you make a sandwich or this is how you clean a room doesn't mean they can actually do it so i really appreciate contextually based learning or routines based and you mentioned something about routines and and you know like daily daily activities everyday moments yeah. and daily routines i love that yeah. phrase on page 44. and i was thinking you know when you partner with them there's um 
there's two other things that you do. I mean, there's a lot of things that you do, but you create that positive landscape for learning. So you both then will walk away with positive memories of this oh. opportunity versus negative, like angry, frustrated at each other memories. So you just kind of, again, flip that. Positive and memories, then, um, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, that's what helps us all come back for more. If we walk away with positive memories of a certain opportunity, we want to come back for more. If we yes. walk away with negative memories, nobody's going back. So, so even just thinking about like what you're doing in that moment is creating positive memories for that routine, for that opportunity. So you and your child can come back and do it again another day and transfer a little more responsibility. Um, and the other thing I know we were just talking about persisting. So say, for example, with kids who have, um, you know, they get distracted more easily when they're in a messy room or when they're doing whatever multi-step thing is, when you as their guide and their partner are there, you support them to stay to manage distractions along the way. So whereas it might be so much harder for them to manage distractions when they're on their own in their bedroom, they might get stuck, distracted on something. Um, so again, you're just there as their partner with positive language, positive support, helping everybody get the job done so that you can do the next thing. So absolutely, yeah, that's what yeah. partnership and, 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 offers too. And we've, we've gotten a little too heavy onto this idea of non-compliance, compliance, uh, they can do it, they can't do it. You know, we have to realize home is not school. You know, school is, you know, can they do the math? Can they do the reading? Can they do the writing? It's not so much about can they clean their room and are they being compliant? Are they following through? Some of the best parent-child relationships I've seen from families I've worked with, so those kids, a lot of them, you know, love their parents, great relationships, everything's going great. A lot of these kids don't do what they're told, but it's not always just non-compliance. It's not always just he's not doing what his mom tells him to do. Sometimes, you know, sometimes kids aren't just just are not able to motivate themselves in the moment to go clean their room. And it doesn't always have to be done the second that they're asked. Uh, so, you know, sometimes we get a little too heavy on, uh, uh, oh, it's, it might be his executive functioning or, <laughs> oh, he, 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 he's, un he's unable to do this. He doesn't have the skill to do this. He's being, not, he's being disrespectful. He's being noncompliant. You know, sometimes and, you know, focusing on uh, relationships, you know, partnership over prompting, relationships over prompting, you know, when you have that true reciprocal parenting, uh, loving relationship, it's okay for kids to come home from school, be exhausted, and not want to do what they're told. And it's not a sign of their skills. Mm -hmm. It's a sign of their temporary emotional state. Well, and self-advocacy, I just got to throw that term in there right now because yeah. self-advocacy is very important that like if I went out in the family room right now and told my husband and said, Jim, I need you to go do some laundry. Jim has had a really long day. I've been gone for five days. He's been a single parent for five days. Like if I went out and told him, like I want you to think about respectful interactions. Just because they're children does not mean we shouldn't be respectful, right? So if of I go course. out and tell my husband, I want you to go do laundry, he might say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll throw a load in in the morning. Well, if I said, no, you have to do it right now, right? Mike, that's what you're talking about. Like, do you there have you to go. do it right mm -hmm. now? My husband Perfect. can self-advocate and say, I will absolutely do the laundry, but I'm just not gonna do it right now because I really need to, 
take, I need some self care. So when our kids come home from school, oftentimes the rule is you must do your homework. And I always say, please don't make them do their homework right after school. They need time to decompress. They need time to get a snack. You know, they need time to unwind a little bit. And, and then, you know, when they're in a better spot, you know, so I think self advocacy is something we need to respect. And like you said, might yeah. not always say it's that mm -hmm. they have executive dysfunction or that they're non-compliant or that they're rude or disrespectful. So self-advocacy is a huge, um, I don't know, topic for me as a parent of an autistic child. I just think it's so important that we listen when someone says, I can't right now, right? Mm -hmm. I can't doesn't mean I won't, right? I can't right now. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the one of the problems that I see consistently is uh, parents will take it personally. Oh, he didn't do the wash when I told him to do the wash, and that leads to a back and forth conflict. And then these power kids, struggle. It's, it's a power then, struggle. The, the, the power <laughs> struggle. There you go. And then these kids get they start to realize, hey, wait a second. When I don't comply, I get lots of attention, and all the attention gets on me. And mm -hmm. I have the I have the power to make mom go from calm and relaxed to angry <laughs> and and she's not focusing focusing on the bills and kitchen and cooking and whatever she's now focused on me and all the attention is on me and kids get stuck in this natural feedback loop where their fight flight response goes towards okay uh if i non-comply now it turns into a game for me mm, and this is and this is where this is where that emotional manipulation comes in so gotcha. so th that 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 example of your husband not wanting to do like oh you have to do the wash now that's perfect because these kids are always watching and we're always modeling for them and when yep. we're being flexible and lenient with other adults they expect it for themselves as well and they deserve it let's be honest yeah. they're human beings just because they're children doesn't mean that they have to do everything they're told in the moment someone here and it's adhd super k then anyways whoever this person is she used the greatest word because linda you used the word partnerships and mm -hmm. um uh she used the word cooperation and i really like that mm. term too right she said when i clean the kitchen my daughter collects dirty dishes around the house we have fun cooperating i love that because that shows they're having fun doing a non-preferred task right who wants to mm -hmm. do the dishes nobody wants to do it but if you partner together and make it a joint activity if you make it a cooperative activity all of a sudden something that's mundane that's non-preferred now it becomes a, a way for you to interact and engage mm -hmm. and actually communicate with each other and spend thoughtful meaningful time together so thank Thank you for that statement I, I or that comment i appreciate that yeah, yeah. In, in, my, in my in my presentation last night i was talking a little bit about permissive parenting which is that parenting style that leads to over prompt dependence it's really where there's really no limits in the house uh there's uh, very low expectations parents are, are overly responsive and not allowing for natural consequences and things like that and really the other side is authoritative parenting and authoritative parenting is the research-based, you know, best, you know, overall model of parenting. Mm -hmm. But of course, that label authoritative really kind of turns people off because, of course, it doesn't sound very good. So I've started to call it reciprocal parenting. So it's really just building that 50-50 relationship between parent and child just like that. Okay, I'll clean the dishes. You put the dishes away and just keep everything uh, a true Kids always have competent roles in the house. They're building skills, they're building competence, they're building confidence. And it's really a 50-50 relationship between parent and child. So the, so the child has more than just, you know, understands their role within the family. Absolutely. <laughs> Linda, I think we have to talk about um, in chapter six, 
Mm -hmm. I love, love, love how you gave the four, and what do you call them? They're the four, frameworks. um, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. frameworks. 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 Oh, frameworks please for, talk for to us about these yeah. four frameworks because yeah. so they're assembly line, complementary, parallel, and reciprocal. Mike, that's what made me think of that. You just said the uh -huh. word reciprocal. Yep. So, yep. Linda, walk this, walk us through these. Okay. And explain them. Okay. This is so, so good for parents. So all you parents oh, yeah. out there, listen, listen to this right now. All right. This is Let's phenomenal. See if I can do this. No. <laughs> so, so, and even just to back up. Like we all want kids to learn new skills, try new things. Um, but I feel like what I try and get at in chapter six is just here are concrete strategies you can use so you know how to scaffold the process for kids as you create competent rules for them or engage them in new things. So these are like, we all know we need to do it. We all know declarative language is helpful. We also know that declarative language isn't always enough. So the frameworks chapter just really gives concrete strategies. Okay, here are very specific frameworks of how you can create competent roles for your kids. And they're largely to start revolve, revolving around coordinating actions. So language is not necessary or there doesn't need to be a lot, but it's just how you think about ways to create. And actually, let me go back. It's to create competent, authentic contingent roles. So the child's <laughs> role is going to be competent. It's going to be real or authentic within what you're doing, and it's going to be contingent on yours. So ways that you can do that are frameworks that you can use. The first one, um, and again, and I want to say too, these are all from the RDI community where I've learned them all, and I'm just sharing what I've learned. The first one is assembly line. So that just means um, you, me, place so imagine we are setting the table i hand you the plate you put it on the table we're putting books on a bookshelf the child hands me the book and i put it on the bookshelf um we're putting groceries in the car i hand you the bag you put it in the back of the trunk so no matter what you're doing you can you can imagine creating an assembly line to coordinate actions with your child um you know it's you're doing a puzzle together I hand you a piece and you put it in its place. So it, it just fits, it's all over the place. Once you start to look for these, they're everywhere and they're just great ways to create competent, authentic contingent roles. Um, the next one is called complementary. So that's when we're doing, um, we are doing, how do I phrase it? Um, just our roles are connected, but slightly different. So an example might be we're sweeping together. I hold the dustpan and you use the broom. Or the diaper example from a couple of weeks ago, uh, you're the diaper thrower and I'm the trash barrel bringer over person, um, <laughs> something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so you're just, you, you know, I hold the trash can, you put something in. I hold the box that the toys go in and you toss them in the box. So. Can so I give a real life example? Yeah. You kind of talk about it here. So mm -hmm. Aaron is 17 and uh, everybody would assume that at 17, he should be able to be fully independent at mealtime. And he is quite independent, but pouring milk is something um, like pouring his milk into the glass. 
I still am the cup holder and he yes. is the poorer. Awesome. Now it used to be the opposite. I mm -hmm. used to be the poorer because he didn't have the motor skills and he was the cup holder. So we've recently reversed roles where now I hold the cup and he's monitoring because he used to overspill it, you know, overflow it. He yeah. poured too hard because he didn't have, you know, great awareness. So I just, I, as I was reading this chapter, I was like, oh my gosh, we've switched roles because now he has a more competent role and that he can now be the poorer yeah. and I can be the cup holder. And so it's now what we're moving to is him doing both roles, right? So now awesome. I'm moving independence mm -hmm. where he now can hold the cup and be the poorer and monitor and, and do both. So totally. I just, I, I just, it's so neat when I read your chapters, Linda, because so much of what happens in my real, you know, in my real life here at home, I don't even recognize it as I guess being I don't know, significant or measurable. Do you know what I mean? I just think about like, I'm like, oh my gosh, we've switched roles. So mm -hmm. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And even what you did is you started with the one that you knew would be competent for him. He wasn't yep. the poor first because you no. knew that wouldn't be successful. Mm -mm. And you only transferred that responsibility when you sensed he was ready to handle when it. When he was ready. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 So that's what Super it's all awesome. about, which is awesome. So that was complimentary. Yeah. And cooking, <laughs> cooking can be complimentary. Um, I hold the bowl while you stir. Like there's so many fun ways to think about it. Absolutely. Uh, parallels, one of my all time favorites. I don't know why I just love this, but it's when you're doing the same thing at the same time. So carrying a recycling bin, I take one end, you, you take the other carrying a laundry basket. Let's carry it together. Um, you know, to the washing machine. One time even, I, um, I have a really sweet video clip of a mom and her daughter pushing the bike together. They each have one handlebar and they're oh. bringing it back to the driveway. So um, moving furniture, hey, do you need to move the table against the wall? You take this end, I'll take that end. How about um, pushing a grocery cart? You know, pushing a grocery, a grocery store, cart. Like you can yeah. Put a hand on it and push it together. Yeah. 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 Again, Love like it. so many nice moments in the classroom, at home, where you can just engage kids in that competent role. Um, you don't even need to talk. You just get it set up, you assign the roles, and you're good. And then reciprocal is I take a turn, you take a turn. Um, so the exa an example in the book is we're making pizza. I add a topping, you add a topping, or um, we're playing a board game. I take a turn, you take a turn. So I think this is like the more traditional turn taking that people think of is I go and then you go. It might be conversationally. I take a turn, you take a turn, um, or playing a game, but you can also <clears throat> apply it to anything you're doing. I put a plate on the table, you put a plate on the table. I so put let's, a shirt in the washing machine. You put a shirt in the washing machine. Let's problem yeah. solve this this question. Mm -hmm. um, where getting ready in the morning takes forever mm -hmm. due to distraction and slow processing. Sigh. How do we partner together during the getting ready process? Right. Mm -hmm. So, Linda, what do you think? Do you have any thoughts on this or my totally? Calls and, awesome oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I I would say like I would just scale way back and think, um, can the child? What can the child do? So putting on, like, you know, is it from the very beginning where they have to um, get undressed and then dressed? I would, you know, it could be something where, okay, you start, you can pull your pajama bottoms down a little bit, and then I'll get the rest of the way, or I'll help you take them off, and you can throw them in the hamper. Um, putting on your shirt, how about you put it over your head, and then I'll help you with your sleeves shoes and socks. How about like, you know, it could be, I will put your sock on and you can put your shoe on or I'll do the left, you do the right. Or, or it I'll could even be, yeah. Open. I'll hold the, I'll sock, hold open. the sock open. That's and what I can do with my son forever. Mm -hmm. yes. mm -hmm. 
-hmm. But the thing is, is you just have to scale back and on any, any part of that process in the routine, like what's the competent role? What's the one thing that the child could do independently? as long as you wait and then you so assume responsibility said, for the rest. Mm -hmm. So she said he can do it all, but he needs constant reminders. He's a 14 year old. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think, you know, he, well, but this is what we were just talking about. He can do it all. Well, he can do it all when he has time and maybe minimal distractions. So what are the pieces um, that you can assume responsibility for in order for him to fluidly, for you both to get fluidly out the door. Like, does he need you to be there um, supporting him to actually get dressed or? Does he have his the, clothes laid the, out the night before? Mm -hmm. Maybe he needs to make sure his clothes are laid out the night before instead of trying to figure it out yeah. in the morning. You know, I don't mm -hmm. know. Maybe there's some things you can do to help him say, what would make this easier in the morning? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. um, my son decides the night before if he's going to wear long sleeves or short sleeves because my son is obsessed with weather. So like he checks the forecast. So he kind of already has an idea, you know, of what, but I don't know. Um, what do you think, Mike? Do you have any thoughts on a 14 year old who's struggling getting out the door in the morning? Yeah, so I would say it really all depends on the present level of functioning. So what you'll want to do is you'll want to get those real world pictures I was talking about, you know, get a picture of him fully dressed, a picture of him brushing his teeth, eating breakfast, find the steps, find ways to simplify it. What's really super important for him to do in the morning, what's necessary, not necessary. And then you're finally going to want to get that picture of him with his backpack on, with his coat on. With, his, with everything he needs, standing by the door, ready to go to the car or to the bus. And then you work through them. Okay, yes. what do we have to do to get to that picture? And then you're with them along the way, uh, you know, helping them. Okay, so, you know, giving them choices. What do we want for breakfast? What's next? What's coming? What are, what are we seeing next? So if you're, if you're there with the child in that co-regulation relationship, providing the declarative language questions not giving directives oh. <laughs> okay okay now go brush your teeth now go eat breakfast now mm -hmm. go do this if it, I, i'm i'm wondering what's next i'm wondering what you'll have mm -hmm. to do next so we can get to this picture i'm wondering what's going yeah. to happen so if we use yeah. the co-regulation relationship with declarative language you're gonna you're gonna lower the fight flight response you're gonna decrease the stress and and another thing to add is we're talking a lot about doing things with our kids. We're talking about holding the dustpan and sweeping or doing laundry together or doing the morning routine together, whatever it may be. And a lot of parents are probably thinking, I'm not gonna do that with my kid forever. I, I don't have time to do that with my kid forever. Well, the first chapter was about executive functioning and independence. The whole point of these co-regulation relationships and working with your kid and helping them complete these tasks is so that they're able to do it independently. So the, the fact Eventually. that you have, yeah. yeah, the fact that you have these relationships, that you're choosing partnership over prompting, you're giving them the tools to eventually do these things on their own. But the great thing you're doing is decreasing the stress, you're decreasing the fights mm -hmm. and you're decreasing the anxiety. Yeah, I think somebody else posted and said, well, it's probably a non-preferred task and he just doesn't want to go to school. <coughs> and that's a tough one. You know what I mean? If he's not doing it because he'd really yeah. rather miss the bus. He'd really rather not go to school. <coughs> also, also, also not necessarily. You know, there's a lot of kids that, you know, a lot of kids that are terrible in the morning that love school. So they, love, they love being with their friends and they love, they love doing things. So the morning, the morning routine is hard, number one, because a lot of kids don't get a good night's sleep because they're up all night gaming. <laughs> 
So, you know, it, it, so there's so, there's so many factors in here. Are they getting a good night's sleep? Uh, uh, when they get up and like, how are they getting up, getting up in the morning? How complex is their morning routine? Uh, and, and really what are, what are the different things they need to do? Uh, and do they understand that sequence of events? Are they able to visualize themselves in the future, getting in the car, getting on the bus, ready to go with everything they need? You know, I think there's a good chance he's this, this young man loves school and loves going to school. Uh, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily about that. It's really about being able to sort of transition from home to school. Mm -hmm. And I, I saw, I don't know if it was the same person or a different one, um, but they mentioned brushing teeth and putting their coat on. So like even to go back to co-regulation with brushing teeth, it would just be something like, hey, um, you can hold your toothbrush and I'll squirt the toothpaste on or vice versa. So you're just partnering and getting it moving or coat on, like I'll hold your coat and you can put your, your hands you know, through the sleeves. And I think we get caught up when kids are teenagers that like, oh, we shouldn't do this because they're 14 or whatever. But at the end, of, but I, I think the person said this too, that their child just has slower processing speed. So if we Pacing, like are yeah. trying to rush them and they need more time, like that's just stress in the morning. And sometimes it's okay to really go in and scaffold that help using partnership and co-regulation um, because it keeps it positive for everyone and you get out the door with positive memories um, and the child knowing that you know you're there for them and you have that positive relationship versus just everyone feeling frustrated like they might not want to go to school but they know you have their back and and at mm -hmm. least you have like your relationship and um, through the ups and downs of it all like it's not always yeah. happy it's not or it's right. not always One thing easy but Mm -hmm. that we talked about, I can't remember in which book or which chapter, but this idea of, or maybe Mike and I talked about it in another book, I can't remember, but that if you have to be at the bus stop or in the car at 6.55, then starting at 6.55, let's work backwards and start figuring yeah. out what time do you actually mm -hmm. need to get up? And if you need yeah. extra time, then that might mean you need to get up 10 minutes earlier, but you're already tired in the morning. So then we have to go back even further and go, what time are you going to bed at night? And what are you doing before bed? Is it preventing you from being able to fall, fall asleep? I mean, I know it sounds like really like boring and technical and like no teenager is going to want to talk to their parent about this, but this is executive function. This is exactly, exactly. what executive exactly. function is. And if you want your child to ever be able to get up in the morning and go to work on their own or get up and go to college, you know, once they move out, we've got to start um, increasing their self-awareness. Thank you, Mike. Their self-awareness of what it takes to be a responsible adult, you know, to be a responsible teenager, whatever it is. So as your mom, um, we have to, I'm going to, or your dad, I'm going to help you figure this out, but ultimately it's your responsibility, right? I'm here to help you though. And I want to do this together, but if they push you away, then let's figure out what you have to do to be successful. But just know I'm always going to be here to help you, right? I mean, whatever it takes, whatever we can do to make your morning routine easier. I think it's, it's crazy sometimes when we look at the morning routine of teenagers, how early school starts, I saw a TikTok by some um, person from New Zealand who is in the United States on business for like a year or something. And she's like, do you people know 
that like American students have to be to school like at 7 a.m. Like yeah. 7 a.m. She goes, what yeah. in the world? That means they have to get yeah. up at like 6 a.m. or 5.45. And this person yep. from New Zealand is like, do you understand that in every other part of the world, like kids don't yep. go to school till 9 a.m.? She's <laughs> like, what in the world do you, Amer I mean, she, it was the funniest thing, but then it made me really think, no wonder our kids are struggling because we mm -hmm. do have such high expectations. It's like students have to get up at the crack of dawn, you know, and they lead these adult paced yeah. lives like you and I do you know and so no wonder there's so much stress so it's yeah. so fascinating sometimes when you meet meet people from other countries and you learn about all the weird yeah. different things we do i remember one time <laughs> i was watching i was watching tv with someone from another country and a commercial came on from like for like a, a a drug or a medicine whatever it may be and he was like wait a second you have commercials yes medicine for medicine yeah how does that how does that make sense how do you have commercials for a prescription medication. That you can't it's go like, get well, yourself. It has to yeah, be prescribed. Yeah, and then it yeah. lists the 95 side effects that might yeah. kill you, but at least you, you know, will have, I don't know. It's always the same commercial of somebody really struggling yeah. and then they get the medicine yeah. and their life's amazing. It's like, wait yeah. a second, how does, how does that make sense? How do you have to for that? It doesn't, well, this is, I love this it. This is what we, what we do. I love it. Okay, Linda, the fourth one, though. So let's just do recap. We had assembly line, complimentary, mm -hmm. parallel, and the fourth one is? Reciprocal. Dun, dun, dun. I think we did reciprocal. that Reciprocal. It's just, yeah, oh, I go, you did? go. Oh. Mm -hmm. oh, making a pizza together. And I was all excited that we were going to get to do one more. Okay. <laughs> so we did them all. So using, yeah. And, and you talk about, Linda, naming the role. And I think that's mm -hmm. so important, that you actually say out loud to your child, I'll be the sweeper, you be the dustpan holder. You know what I mean? Yep. Or or yep. whatever it is. I'll put the mushrooms on the pizza, you put the black olives on the pizza, right? So I really like that, that you give the role a name. You actually label it so that everybody's mm -hmm. clear that this partnership, this collaboration, that this is happening, right? And and so yep. naming it, I, I think, just gives it, um, I don't know, it just kind of solidifies it. So I, I really like that. Yeah, yeah it gives is, kids ownership. Yeah. Ownership. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Got to have that. Got to have that ownership. And uh, mm -hmm. and just really, really focus like the, the, the phrase that I've been using with my family now with my families is partnership over prompting. That is such a powerful, powerful phrase. Uh, and in this chapter, you you laid it out so beautifully for all the parents that are reading this book along with us in this in this book club. Uh, this is perfect, really, on from page. 44 to 47, uh, going through all the different RDI assembly line, complementary, parallel, reciprocal, you know, parents now can kind of go, okay, this is a great opportunity for me to try assembly line, a great opportunity mm -hmm. for me to try reciprocal. You laid it out so beautifully for these yep. families to go ahead and try one of these things. And just like how you ended declarative language in terms of try things out, it's not gonna work perfect the first time. Right. There's some trial and error, be patient. And this is the chapter for them to, to really do that with co-regulation. Go through yep. this, try assembly line, try complementary, uh, and really take the time to really see what mm -hmm. works best for your goals for your kid. And, and I think one way that I would, I would kind of like to wrap this up, I and mean, if anybody else has something else they want to say, but I just, I love this statement, Lindy. You said, okay, what I want you to do is think about creating partnerships and partnerships within everyday moments and daily routines are the best because mm -hmm. this is what will help us engage kids in these ways frequently because guess what? We have to do it anyways, right? Why not? 
partner together to unload the dishwasher or set the table or make pancakes or rake the lawn or mow the lawn or whatever it is. Why mm -hmm. not do it together? Because it has to be done anyways, right? Since yep. it already yep. has yep. to be done, why wouldn't yep. we capitalize on the everyday moments and daily routines <laughs> and create, as Linda said, and I added to page 44, positive memories in the process. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't we do that, right? right? Is it easier and is it faster for the parent to do it themselves? To just say, I'm just gonna empty the dishwasher. I'm just gonna do the dishes. I'm just gonna do the laundry. It's just faster. Absolutely, it's faster, but that isn't building competent roles and increasing mm -hmm. independence in our kids. So I, love yeah this book so far, can Lynn. i add one little thing please so, do um i know we've talked about declarative language work workshop on here where parents have the opportunity to kind of do a little videotape of them doing these things so what is just awesome to see is there might be a two or three minute clip with so much wonderful co-regulation social learning connection um but it's but it's two minutes long. So you think it's gonna take longer if you include your child, but really like it's two minutes I love in it. the context of your day. And, and what you, how rich that two minutes is, it's, it's everything. Um, you know, putting the books on a shelf, like you spent three minutes with your child and they learned a lot within that three minutes. One other really fun co-regulatory opportunity that we saw a parent do was, um, they have chickens in a coop and she handed oh. the baby chicks. It was nighttime and they had to put the chicks in the coop. So okay. she handed them to her <laughs> daughter and her daughter put them in the coop. So that was an assembly line and it was awesome. But again, it would have been something that she just did quick. The mom did quickly at night just to get it done. And she realized, sure. no wait, I can include my child. And it took three minutes and it was like such an awesome three minutes. Well, remember was yeah. it a few weeks ago when I talked about getting the mail? I mean, this is another mm -hmm. perfect example that yeah, you, know, you yeah. could go get the mail yourself or you could take your right. toddler, your young child with you yeah. and give them a competent role, even if they just carry the mail. Yeah. Or then when you bring the mail in, you could sort the mail or whatever it is. Yeah. So anyways, Linda, again, and I look just, at that comment yeah. right there. Look at, look at that comment. Great information. I've learned mm -hmm. so much. I now will start partnering with my kids instead of expecting them to do it all by themselves. Thank That's you so what much. It's all about. Yeah. You guys, this is right perfect. <laughs> this is perfect. So in case this. you're new, yeah. To chapter chat make sure you read linda's other book this was mm -hmm. her first book and it's called the declarative language handbook and we covered it um a few weeks ago so make sure you go back and either watch the the recorded uh videos on my instagram page carrie ebert seminars or they are mike tell us about the podcast where can they find him as podcasts Yep. So they're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, where you find all your other favorite podcasts. Just type in Education Chapter Chat. You'll see both of our faces, our little image there, and you'll be able to find every single episode, uh, mm -hmm. every single book we did. Uh, and all you people out there that are listening to us in your free time, uh, it, it definitely means a lot. So all the, we appreciate every, it. every, every yeah. day I check those podcast downloads and I love it. I'm currently listening so, to Finnish lessons. I'm catching up oh, from the summer. So what do you think of that one, Linda? What oh, do you think? I love it. I love it. I've been I needed to get through the first book with you, but I really just wanted to get to Finnish lessons. So yep, yep, <laughs> yeah, yep, it's, it's awesome. Like you said, yeah, it's I really so different in other countries. I really yeah. I really want to yeah. go to Finland very badly. So next week, um, my chapter seven's, Linda, what do you think? Chapter seven alone, or should we add chapter eight? Let me see how long chapter eight is. Oh, we could probably do chapter eight seems oh, yeah. pretty short seven, seven and eight. eight does that sound good yep. guys sure yep okay mm -hmm. um i will be in cheyenne wyoming next week so i will be doing monday night works for me does it work for you guys 
sure mm -hmm. does. Yeah, the live. Okay. So yeah. I will be doing it from my good friend's living room or bedroom or wherever they put me. Um, I am staying with some good friends in Cheyenne. So uh, we will be doing those two chapters next week. You guys, thank you. Um, this was, as always, very inspiring and invigorating. I did not have a very good day. And it's just so wonderful to end the day like this with two of Love my favorite it. people on the planet. So yeah. thank you. Thank hey, you. Thank you. Hey. Thank you. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Mm -hmm. All right. You guys take care. care. You guys. Have a good night. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Good night, everybody.